For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome, Browns backers. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and this is Believe in the Browns. And just to give you a quick background on who your hosts are, Tony Dick worked in various capacities with the Browns over the course of 21 seasons with the team. So when he mentions being in the building, it's being in the building. He started with the team as a member of the Browns crew in 91, worked with them up until the time they left for the city who shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> he rejoined the Browns upon their return to Cleveland and served his last nine years with the team as the team's manager of alumni relations before leaving in October of 2015. Tony is also a member of the Pro Football Researchers Association and has served as a research assistant for several documentary projects with NFL Films, NBC Sports, Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, and Epics. Myself, I have experience in the sports industry in various capacities with Major League Baseball teams, NCAA programs, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where I earned a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers. Super Bowl, anybody? 37. 37. Uh, and between Tony and I, we've probably worked about 20 Super Bowls. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Welcome, Browns backers. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and this is Believe in the Browns. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? And before we begin, if you do enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us and review us on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcasts. That's at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts. Tony, it is official. The Browns have a new head coach. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I guess let's start with the, uh, you heard it here first, that, you know, we didn't get the guy that, uh, you know, I think we wanted. Of course, you know, as per usual, the sell is, this is the guy we wanted. But at least it was a guy that, they wanted last time. I'm not saying that makes it a little better, but it was a guy that they had expressed interest in previously, and the person coordinating the search. Yeah, wanted. yeah. I would say use the term they loosely. I mean, uh, <laughs> De Podesta wanted, um, which you know, I, I'm cool. I'm, I'm cool with the hire. 
Um, I feel like when you look at where we were at, by the time we got to the point where we were going to hire somebody, I mean, he was um, probably best name available. Um, and, and I don't, I'm not, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think, I think it's a, it's a great pick for the organization. Um, obviously, we're going to have to wait and see how the, you know, the other pieces fall to be able to tell whether or not it's really going to work. Um, the, the one thing I will say though is I, I do, um, in some regard, and this is going to be the hater in me coming out. I, I feel bad for this. For this head coach, I feel bad for him because one, you've got the expectations which are already going to be outrageous and out of control. But two, I feel bad for the fact that um, his first opportunity to be a head coach is going to be with um, a front office that is as dysfunctional as it is. I mean, already um, today we had uh, you know reports that uh, you know the, the ownership is um, you know they're denying, but. Um, I guess the rumor was that uh, part of the requirements of the job is that he has to meet with the owner every Monday. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, prior to every game, he has to submit his final copy of the game plan. <laughs> um, the ownership coming out and saying, hey, the meeting on Monday, um, that's a definite thing because everyone does that. Um, that was admitted, but but they, they're denying the fact that they asked for a game plan. Um I'm willing to I'm willing to believe half of that story. Um, I, won't, I won't say which half, but but I, I just I just think that's just an example of just just the fact that that was floated. Um, I tend to believe that it's there's probably a smidge of truth to it. Um, I could see that. I mean, I just worry about that for this kid. Um, I worry about it for anybody, right? Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't seem like you're then entrusting them with the job. You're uh, tasking them to do. I mean, I don't mind the Monday meeting. I, yeah. That's fine. It, does everybody do it? I don't think everybody does it. I, in fact, I know for a fact not everybody does it because I know the three teams I worked for, they did not do that. Yeah. So at least that was at the time. Maybe things have changed since then, but I know that's not the case everywhere. But I don't think that that's a horrible idea. I don't think it's anything that's out of the bounds of, of responsibility. The submitting of the game plan. What is Jimmy Haslam going to come back and and say something? And realistically, if he's working with some of the folks that are doing some of the analytics during the week in terms of putting some of the game planning together, then you shouldn't need necessarily any of the review prior to the game because it should be built in. Yeah, I mean, does it come back with edits? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I would be are, concerned are with. They, uh, are they track changing it? In, yeah. Uh, you know. yeah, so that, that's just my only concern. Like I said, it, you know, I, I feel like I, I don't like being uh, skeptical, but, but at this point I think we've all earned the right to be skeptical because we, we've walked into, you know, how many of these hirings where we keep thinking um, you know, it's going to get better, they're going to learn from their mistakes, and, and then we just add another we go ahead and add another layer of nonsense well he is the 12th head coach in modern browns history already he has the second best winning percentage who is the only coach in modern browns history tony with a winning record do you know this with a winning record with a winning record there is one coach i would have to say it's chudzinski probably right no because no, Chud was born twelve in his season. Born twelve. Uh, it's a tough question. It's a it's a it's a goof question. But was it uh, Rubisky? No, Rubisky <laughs> was one and four. Greg Williams <laughs> last year. Greg Williams uh, was five and three 
after he took over uh, yeah. for Hugh Jackson. And he is and he is the only Browns coach with the ring. Who has, I'll give you this now, uh, I'm cheating because I have right, the information we can, well, well, right Let's, let's go back for it. Hold for edit? <laughs> was, it, was it Greg Williams? Uh-huh. You got it. You got right. it. Uh, so, <laughs> so who is the Browns coach with the best winning percentage of not including Stefanski, who at 500 0 and 0, or I guess zero. I mean, however you want to look at it, I, I'm calling it 500 at 0 and 0. Who is other than Greg Williams? Who has the best winning percentage? Browns coach. It's not an interim coach. Yeah, well, you, you threw me off now that you do. I Butch. I don't know. Yeah, Butcher. Butch, Butch has got the best record: twenty-four and thirty-five. That's the best winning percentage. Well, twenty-four uh, wins is a lot of wins when you think about it. It's a bulk of our wins. It, 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 Cornell's right there with it. Cornell's twenty-four and forty. Okay. So he had five extra losses, um, tacked on there. So I mean I guess that's the the finishing of the season versus the not finishing of the season. Because uh, if you look at Rubisky, if what Rubisky did, if you just said I hey, Butch would have done the same thing, then Butch would have been essentially the same one win ahead. It would have been twenty five and and forty instead of twenty four yeah. and forty. So essentially, Butch and, and Romeo are kind of I just neck and neck. you know, and it's sad because when I look at those two guys, I'm not saying that um, you know hindsight's always twenty twenty, but. When I look at those two guys, two things. One, I just wonder how much better of a job or how much more of a chance to succeed Butch would have had if ownership hadn't given him so much freedom as far as him calling all of the shots. I think if, you know, coming out of the gate, if he had had a great GM over top of him um, that could have just provided the talent and then he coached it up. I think he probably would have been more successful. And then I think with Romeo... But is Butch taking that job, right? Is, is he giving up what he has at the U for a job where he doesn't have full control? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's I, I don't know. I don't know. But I would agree with you that that probably would have been a better scenario. But I don't know if he, if he ends up taking that job, um, having been with him at Miami at that time when, when he was kind of uh, deciding to leave. Does he does he take that, that gig? Yeah, you, you, yeah. And, and, and then with Romeo, I, I think Romeo, I, I will say with all the coaches that have, um, you know, been, been there since 99, he's the one guy that I think just all around you wanted to, you wanted that guy to be successful because he was such a great guy, such a great coach. And I think probably the, the knock on him, if there is a knock on him is that he was just too nice of a guy. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the veterans that he brought in to help provide leadership, I think a lot of them did him a disservice by not really providing that leadership. And they were just, you know, it ended up being where they were there more to get that that final big payday before they left. Yeah. And um, which is unfortunate because, uh, like I said, you're not going to find a nicer, more knowledgeable guy than Romeo. Um, but, eh, what are you going to do? Yeah. So, I mean, you're looking at Stefanski's career. You know, obviously he was with Penn for one year um, after graduating there and, and took a role as a assistant director of football ops, then moved to assistant to the head coach with the Vikings in, in 2006. You know, the one year as a coordinator. The one thing I will say I actually do like is that he's survived multiple coaching transitions, which is rare. 
right? Because coaches weren't, you know, they didn't move on to bigger and brighter things to a certain extent. Um, you know, you could say, well, he played a role maybe in those coaches not <laughs> succeeding. But he was there for Brad Childress, Leslie Frazier, and now he's there with Mike Zimmer. As you and I both know, being on that coaching side of things and that football operations side of things, and when you're able to consistently make transitions to coaching staffs when the top dog changes, that's a survival skill. Um, and that speaks to, I think, your ability to adapt, apply new systems, do new things as a coach. What are your thoughts on, on those types of things? Yeah, I, I think, it t- you know, the, the, when I hear that, the first person I think of is uh, Chris Tabor, who was the uh, special teams coach, you, you know, for the Browns. Um, Chris was the same deal. I think he was there six years and probably was at, what's that equal to in Brown's time? That's at least three coaches. <laughs> so, so, yeah, six years, three coaches. And, uh, he, you know, he was to the point where I, I remember, um, you know, being in the building for, I'm trying to think if it was Petten, the Petten group that came through. Um, he was so well-respected that they actually, at one point, he was in the biggest coach's office. His office was actually bigger <laughs> than the uh, – head coaches had its own shower and bathroom in there because people just respected who he was as a person and then uh how well of a job he did as a coordinator and um you know it it does take a lot i mean to be in the building and to navigate it's one thing to be in the front office and navigate change um you know at the top but to to navigate coaching changes i mean uh, that's difficult because every head coach that comes in has had coordinators that that he's worked with them in the past or you know, typically it's the person you worked with last ends up being the guy you bring over. Um, but, you know, so to be able to navigate through that to where I'm sure the three coaches he worked for already had people um, in mind, um, for him to be able to interview with them and to, to win that spot, you got to be a special person. So I, I guess if we're going to give Stefanski anything um, right off the bat, um, I would have to say his people skills – um, and his communication skills have to be off the charts. Uh, um, otherwise, he's not going to be in the position he's in. Um, yeah, and he, he had four head coaches. So he had he had Shermer, Chud, Patton, and, and Hugh. And then, uh, so... I wasn't counting Hugh as a head coach. 1-15, 0-16. That doesn't... Uh, I mean, he's got... He's got he got three full wins. He did go 8-8 eight eight in Oakland. So he did go 8-8 eight eight in Oakland. We got that. Um, yeah, so no, I, I, I definitely, I, I think in that regard, and even, you know, yesterday, uh, listening to the press conference, I, you know, I liked all the things he said, you know, so I, I don't know how much stock I put into that stuff anymore. Well, because, everybody says the same yeah. thing. I mean, I, I, as a former PR guy, right, you give them the list of things to say, yeah. and chances are they know what they are, but yeah. you just give them the refresher list. This is what you say. They say it, they spout it back to the media and everybody knows it's yeah the drill. If you I mean, don't win the press conference... As the new head coach hire, yeah, we got <laughs> yeah, you got a ton of trouble. Well, you know, I, I will give him extra bonus points too for not coming up with any uh, goofy uh, sayings like the uh, "if you don't wear, if you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter." Yeah, it was nice. It was refreshing to not have that. Yeah, and I think he's just—I think he's a grounded guy. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he fills out this coaching staff because. I mean, you mentioned it last time, right? Wade Phillips. Uh, I, we've heard that name mentioned. Yeah. We've seen it. 
Um, so I'm I'm excited about that. I am a little, you know, I've read a bunch of stuff about, oh, well, this is Moneyball 2.0 and blah, blah, blah. Slow your roll on that. One, because if it would have been Moneyball 1.0, even, we would have been successful because Sean McVay would be coaching this team right now. So, yes, we've had De Podesta in the building for several years. We have not been listening to him until this year. Plus, I'll give you this, even if you want to call that, this is Moneyball 2.0. He came into the building in 2016, which means football, traditional man style, had 17 years to get this right, and they didn't get it right at all. So I say even if you want to call this 2.0, we give the guy more than four years to turn it around because we gave the traditional guys you know, 17, 18 seasons worth of time. And, and the reality is, I mean, it, in this business, it's it's so difficult to be successful. I mean, you mentioned McVay, and I'm not discounting McVay as a coach, but, I mean, in reality, look, look at McVay. I mean, they built that up to where they got into the Super Bowl last year, but look where they are this year. You know, and then and then once you – once all of a sudden now the guy isn't uh, – you know he's he's not untouchable. Well, they threw a ton um, of money at Todd Gurley, which was a mistake. But yeah, that's um, you know it, it it's all just a matter of things falling in place. Agree, I mean, but do you do you think the Browns would have been better with Sean McVay over Hugh Jackson? I don't know. I, I, do you, do you I, really I, think Sean McVay is a three thirty six and one coach with those teams that that Hugh Jackson had? No, I, I don't think he's that bad, but I don't know how much better he would have been. I, I, because I, I think that the problems with this organization are, are more deeply rooted than... I think a lot of it has to do with the players that are provided, the structure and support for the coach. I think that they really do anybody... That's why, And that's why I'm saying this to Fanske. I really liked what I saw in the interview, but the whole time in my head I'm thinking... Man, I hope they don't. I hope they don't burn it. Well, because you know, it, it took him how many years? Twelve years to get a crack at a head coaching job. You don't want him to have an experience like Chudzinski, you know, where he comes in and and he's micromanaged to the point where uh, he's out the door after eleven months. Yeah. I, I mean, you don't want that because he he probably, especially if he's the type of guy that's weathered the storms that he's weathered. I'd say he deserves. I'm better than that, and hopefully he's provided that. I would hope at this point the Haslam's understand that um, they own a football team, um, and that's where it should end. They don't they don't know everything about football, and um, they just need to get out of this kid's way and let him run. But uh, we'll see how that works. You know? Yeah. So, but I, I'm interested. I'm intrigued to see how he kind of fills out his staff. I think he's going to bring in a couple guys. I wouldn't be surprised maybe if he, he tries to steal Gary Kubiak away um, from the Vikings. Um, heard rumors of his son potentially, uh, Kubiak's son, Clint, uh, potentially coming. And so I would be interested to see if Dad would come too. And I think having a guy like that, even if he's just a special assistant to the head coach and not doesn't have an actual coaching role, so he wouldn't be necessarily the OC, um, that would be interesting. I'd love to see Wade on the staff. Um, he's obviously available which would be great for the Browns. Yeah. And I always like to see that when the when the new head coach who doesn't have that experience before brings in those guys. And that's why I was really disappointed. I think Chud was the most disappointing firing of my uh, of my time just because of that fact of he I think he assembled the right staff. Oh yeah. Things just didn't break 
the way you wanted them to break from an on-field standpoint. And I think that was largely due to injury more so than, than team performance and where the winning took place, right? The winning took place early, yeah. and then it, it looked bad late, whereas if that would have been reversed, um, I think he would have been fine. Well, and the only positive that came out of Chudzinski uh, being fired is that at least it provided the uh, organization an opportunity to have something that they could go back and, and look at and learn from in regards to bringing in a quality guy who sets up a quality um, organization and when things don't go exactly um, perfect that you stick with that guy and, and just let him build a culture. I mean, at least they learn from that. Um, and, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe, um, <laughs> maybe eight years, right, will be the, yeah. the right amount of time or eight seasons is the right amount of time for them to let that message sink in. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I'm interested, like I said, I'm interested to see who the coaching staff is. I'm interested to see who um, comes in in the, in the player personnel roles, right? It doesn't look like Elliot Wolf is going to get a promotion to, to, to this role, which I'm totally fine with. You know, um, I would like to see something if, if Highsmith isn't brought in as that chief of staff role um, down at, at the U where they're looking at that a lot of the now college programs are looking at that you know as the kind of conduit between players and recruiting and coaching staff and all that stuff i think he would be awesome in that role and i'd love to see him revitalize the u as an alum but if he doesn't i I would love to see him in that role um andrew barry i don't i don't know enough to i don't see alonzo being here next season And, and 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 if not given a promotion i don't I think probably Elliot Wolf's exit is probably not that, maybe not this season coming up, but he's probably going to be freshening up the resume. I mean, well, and I don't think I wouldn't say you can, you know. I mean, his he's an assistant GM. I mean, you could give him additional responsibilities that might not necessarily be titledly promotional, or you could even throw you could give him Alonzo's role if Alonzo leaves, right? You could make him the vice president of, of player personnel. Um, so even if you don't put him in that GM role. He yeah. can still kind of give him that that elevated role, um, you know. The Barry hire, I am, you know, I, I don't know enough about the guy. I just know he was with the Browns for a couple of years, and looking at some of those decisions that the Colts made when he was there, and that the Browns made when he was here, I, I know he's an Ivy Leaguer, and. He's well, probably smarter than me. <laughs> the Ivy League, uh, we've tried that. That worked out really well for us. But um, <laughs> I'm just saying I don't think a lot of those decisions, and again, you never know which decisions those guys are involved in and, and where they were leaning during those discussions. They could have had, they could have said, hey, we want this guy and they've been overruled or, you know. So, and that's where those internal discussions are, you know, if you're not necessarily 100% privy to all of those. But if you're looking at those teams, I mean, Indy from 2009 to 2015, and the Browns from 16 to 18. Um, not a lot of fantastic draft picks in that time. I mean, a couple, but not enough that I would say would would overwhelm me with uh, interest. I, th- I think the problem you're going to run into with, with the GM hire is, and this is just pure speculation on my part, I feel like the problem you're going to run into is you're going to hire a GM who is going to ask to be kind of a servant to De Podesta in his wishes. I don't think they're bringing in a GM 
and allowing them to have free 100% reign in what's going on. So I think if that's the case, you end up getting somebody who is looking to have a, a crack at a position with a you know team with the the history of you know the Browns and you know they're looking for the title. Um, I I don't think you're going to get anybody that's a true GM, you know, a proven commodity. And that's the other problem we have too with these hires. I mean, other than if they're bringing in a a Wade Phillips, I mean, you're you're going to bring in a GM that doesn't have an A plus resume and with a guy who's never had head coaching experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking really quick, pulling up the 2009 through for the Colts draft picks. Oh. I mean, really, I mean, yeah. Andrew Luck, obviously, which was a no brainer. I mean, I think, you know, I think my daughter could have picked Land Andrew Luck in, in, in 2012 and, and, and she was three, so I, I'm pretty confident that any team is making that pick. Um, T.Y. Hilton was a great pick, I think, then in in the third round. And then there's nothing else that, I mean, the Bjorn Warner decision in uh, 2013 is, I don't know how bad that would be. Um, I mean, I'm just not seeing a whole ton of greatness during that period of time, and I think we know you know, what happened with the Browns um, during uh, that era. So, I mean, you're looking at 16 and 18 with the Browns. You know, yeah, you get Chubb in there. But um, you also have some, some interesting ones. I mean, we're still we're still thinking about uh, Mr. Mayfield and what may or may not be there. I mean, the Jabril Peppers. You know, I mean, Joku's a Miami guy, but probably not a first-round pick. Uh, you know, the Denzel Ward was a good pick. But, you know, essentially nailing one and four is not uh, well, that, is and, not what you need, and right? Again, you need somebody giving that's... him credit. Did he, did he have the last say on that? I mean, you're giving, uh, that's the other thing you got to be careful of. Are you giving credit to people for being in the room? Because according to... Uh... Well, then we can give him credit for uh, Corey Coleman, which was an atrocious pick um i mean showbert in the fourth round is a good pick and that's really i mean you're looking at that 2016 draft that is atrocious yeah. draft if you're looking at 2017 miles garrett yeah fine pick deshaun kaiser i'm sorry the worst pick i i've seen in a long time because no, no. offense this is my thing how many quality nfl quarterbacks in the history of the nfl had a losing record as a starting quarterback their last year of college. Well, I think the plan there, in all fairness to everybody, the, there is the, no fairness there. The, the plan I'm not there was you draft it. him, and then if he had a decade to work under Hugh, Hugh could have had him. You know, it, it was a ten-year plan. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a fifty-year plan. Uh, that that one was just that was in my opinion probably the worst one of the worst decisions. I I, I will support the Manziel decision over the Oop. the Kaiser decision. Uh, uh, different different uh, or yeah, you know Barry yeah. wasn't there for that, right? You know, 2018. I I don't I think that was probably I don't know if he was even here for that dra draft. You know, I don't know when he moved to um, to Philadelphia, so I'd have to get the actual details on that in terms of when he moved to Philly. Um, yeah, that was a great draft. I don't think you can really argue with 
with that. Even if Baker doesn't necessarily pan out as the greatest quarterback, you got to take a shot on somebody. Yeah. You take Baker, Denzel Ward's a good pick, um, Chubb's a great pick. So you know, hey, you get the you get that. But it'll be interesting to see how how this organization fills out. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's. I think our schedule, as you look at the schedule for next year, um, I think there's, you know, it's funny. I've got friends of mine who gave up on the team at the end, of, you know, quote unquote, gave up on the organization at the end of the season, and they've come back to me and they're looking at the schedule, telling me we're uh, no less than fourteen and two. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it. it I, I think that the schedule plays well to whoever um, we end up bringing in as the DC and OC. Um, you certainly have weapons on both the offense and defense, but I think having the weapons is one thing. I think probably the disadvantage, and I hate to say it, but but you know because we've said it so many times, I think this season coming up turns into a throwaway season um, because you're really going to have to reassess all the people that you have on both offense and defense. And I think for a lot of the people that um, a lot of people that we consider quote unquote stars, I think you're going to have to take a look at. Where they what they're really doing productivity wise. I mean, you mentioned Njoku. I think he could have been a, a good tight end, but he's got to be on the field. Um, I, I look at Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, that's a huge position there. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. What, 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 what do we really have with him? Um, you know, and of course we'll have to find out when exactly do we get Miles Garrett back. I mean, is he indefinitely suspended for the rest I, of his I, life? I, I think he's. I think he'll be back for for week one. I think they'll allow him back for training camp. I think he'll be, you know, he'll do his mea culpas that he's done and he'll write his letter to the commissioner. And I, I think he's going to be back, you know, from, from that standpoint. But but I don't know. I mean, uh, the schedule, it's interesting to me, right? They're, I mean, they're obviously the divisional opponents, right? So you got six games. You got Cincinnati twice. You got Pittsburgh twice. And you got Baltimore twice. The three and three? Hey, man, Cincinnati's going to have a hell of a quarterback. Uh, well, but they'll yeah. still be a rookie, and, and you don't know what's going to happen with Pittsburgh and Big Ben and, and what their yeah. quarterback – I mean, everybody is expecting him to be healthy, but that's a, that's a tough that one. That being said, we were one and one with them without Big Ben. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I, I don't think 3-3 three and three is too much to ask, but I don't think it's it's a guarantee. So right. I think you're kind of on that. That would be a, a fair assessment of, of, of where it would be. And if you're looking at the other away games – you're going to Dallas. You're going to the Giants. I mean, luckily everything's either West Coast or Central Time, so there's not a lot of, or yeah, I'm sorry, East Coast or Central Time, so there's not a lot of travel, right? Yeah. And Dallas is far, but at least it, the time zone's not massively different, right? So you go to Dallas, New York, Jacksonville, back to New York. So at least you get two games in the same stadium because uh, you got the Giants and the Jets. Yeah. You got the Titans. Then the home games. Colts, Eagles, Raiders, Redskins, Texans. Eight and eight would be fantastic, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at this point, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, if I'm looking at that, it's... I mean, what do you... I mean, the Colts, I think, are in a similar situation to the Browns. Is that they're they have some pieces, but they're not really sure what they have. The Eagles, I think, have more than we have. Um, the Raiders, I think, are in a very similar situation, and you know, so what you call those games coin flips. The Redskins, 
I don't know. Can can Rivera turn it around quickly there? Um, I'm not sold on Dwayne Haskins. Uh, and no, he didn't look I, like I'm he got pit- a lot of coaching this year yeah, <laughs> as well. So if I'm if I'm pitting two first time head coaches against each other and going off of that, I, I, I well, it's not Rivera's not the first time, right? I mean, he's well, uh, with, yeah, with team, first team, team, yeah. Um, you know, Texans obviously have things, you know, moving forward. Um, the Bengals will have Joe Burrow. You know, the Cowboys, that team is, I mean, you give them a coach that might have an idea of what he's doing, and, and Mike McCarthy seems to be that. The Giants, I would hope you could beat the Giats. I think we have more pieces than the Giants. Yeah. I, I think we well, have more pieces I, I, than I the Giants. I expected more of the Giants this year than we got. I mean, I, Even I, with Daniel Jones? Because, come on, Eli was shot. Yeah, I mean, I just... They, they, there's a lot of talent on that roster that's just kind of waiting. I mean, I think they're very similar to us in that regard. Maybe. I don't know. I, don't know. I, don't, I, I think the Browns have significantly more talent on the defensive side of the ball than the Giants. Offensive side of the ball, I might agree with you. Yeah. Um, but really, I mean, actually, really only Barkley, right? I mean, I think we have better receivers. I think they might have a better offensive line. Um, and the running back, I mean, I don't think there's too many better than Saquon. Um, but if you're going to challenge him, Chubb is a viable challenger, yeah. at least. Um, Jets, we'll see. Um, Titans seem to have their act together, so it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, we'll see what they do this weekend, right? Against Kansas City, I mean, you could be playing a Super Bowl team or a Super Bowl championship team um, at their house. Uh, that wouldn't be great. And knowing the television networks, right, with some of the hype, the Browns, that could be an early season because the Browns would still be in it even if they tank the season. That could be an early season Thursday night, Sunday night, yeah. Monday night game um, at their house, which would probably not be great for us. No. Huh? I don't know. So, don't know. so you're thinking 14 and 2? <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, fifteen and one. Actually, yeah. that's, that's where I'm. Uh, They'll lose I'm one at. of those Steeler games. That's there. right. Uh, yeah, Duck will get us somehow. But no, I mean, like I said, uh, well, it's it's really hard to make any. But for one, I I think to make any predictions before we even have a coaching staff assembled is is difficult. And, or a roster. I mean, you know, free agency hasn't even started, and the yeah. draft hasn't started. You don't even know who's going to be playing what position um, for several key positions. Yeah. On the team. Well, and, and we, we really, I mean, I know we picked a head coach, but does that necessarily mean that's going to be the guy they go with day one? I mean, there's still time There's still time for change. There's still uh, time for change, right? <laughs> no. He's going to pull a Belichick? Yeah. No. Or a Josh McDaniels? Yeah. No. Um, so, I'm, that is the one thing I will say in all of the coaching search, I am happy. And I'm not saying he's not going to be a great coach somewhere else at some other time. But based on what happened with Indianapolis, I am fairly happy that Josh McDaniels is not the current coach of the Cleveland Browns. Um, I think Stefanski, I'm Hapsky with Stefanski. uh, (laughs) And he'll fit in well, right? He'll get it onto the West Side Market and he can uh, get a whole bunch of pierogies. So let's hopefully we don't Hopefully we don't treat him like uh, we treated Chazinski, and uh, and we'll be all right. 
What do you got? Anything else? No, I, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with the, I'm okay with the pick. I think we may have even predicted that pick. I, I think I don't know. Let's go back. We can go back and edit. And we'll, we'll go back through the tape. But uh, <laughs> like I said, for me, for me, it really comes down to uh, who the GM is going to be, who those coordinators are, and how much power does the actual GM have. Or, or is this GM going to be controlled by the analytics team? I mean, are they are they pulling the strings? Um, because I I, th- I think at some point the analytics part of it needs to go out the window, and you just you just I don't know. To me, to be a successful coach or to run a successful organization, you have to just be able to walk up to somebody and 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 just know whether or not they're a winner. And that's something I don't think that you can put an algorithm out there for. I mean, perfect example. I watched uh, again last night the um you know, the Tom Brady uh, special about the draft. I mean, every single person that was interviewed said they looked at that guy and he was average. He was you know, none of the numbers, the 40 time, the bench press, the uh, none of that stuff if you're going off of analytics says Hey, this guy's going to win but six Super Bowls. I, yeah, I mean, but but that's the thing. But analytics is a tool in the toolbox. It's not the entire toolbox, right? Because you can't tell me that the football stuff predicted that either. Because the Patriots took him in the sixth round, Tony. If they thought he would be the greatest quarterback in NFL history, well, they had Drew Bledsoe. You're round. not taking him in the sixth round. So yeah. Bill Belichick is not this master that saw Tom well, Brady coming because he didn't even start him at the beginning of that Super Bowl season. He only started him because. Mo Lewis made Drew Bledsoe's insides bleed. Yeah, well, yeah, but I, I don't know. For for a guy who started out fourth man on the uh, depth chart, and then I mean, you've, you've oh no, yeah, yeah. and I'm not I'm not arguing with you that you know. Well, I think you are. I'm not arguing <laughs> with you that that it's, it takes both pieces. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying there. I don't think there's a there's not a football way of figuring that out either. No, this guy is the guy. Well, I just want to, like I said, I, I'm just, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not an, uh, a supporter of the analyst. I just don't see it, and especially coming from the line side of it. Like, what, what number do you apply to a lineman that tells you who the best lineman is? Well, I think some of the stuff that they have is pretty valuable. I mean, if you're looking at that plat, pass block win rate, like with all those, with the trackers that you track for Zebra Tech, yeah. right? I mean, if you're keeping your guy in front of him or you're keeping him away from where you need him to be then you're doing your job. It hasn't worked the way we've been doing it, so I'm all on board (laughs) with trying something else, whatever that else may be. Well, I think we've got that. So, we'll see. We'll see. All right, so let's wrap it up, Browns backers. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next week when hopefully we have some of our coaching staff fleshed out and potentially a general manager. But I wouldn't necessarily guarantee on the latter, but I would guarantee on the former that we will have several, if not all, of the coaching staff in place by the time we we record next week. You agree with that, Tony? Yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm hoping for uh, Tony Oden as a defensive backs coach. Throw that out there. Throw that out there. We'll take Tony Oden as a defensive backs coach. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll send a memo down to 76 Lou Groza and uh, and get it out there. All right. All right. Thanks again, Browns backers. Once again, this is Believe in the Browns on the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. Subject. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.